Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. So today, uh, I, I'm excited because I, I, I want to... Um, continue uh, on with our series that we began two weeks ago on earth as it is in heaven. And um, I'm going to do my very best because the Holy Spirit already stole, if I can say that, my time. I'm just kidding. Uh, if, if you're listening on the podcast, that was in quotations. Um, but we're going to continue this series. And uh, how many of you remember the five S's? Okay. If you don't remember, I- I'm glad none of you raised your hand. That's great. Um, there- there's a bookmark in the seat back in front of you. And it's got the five S's that we are studying. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We talked about stillness. We talked about submission. We talked about supplication. We talked about surrender and standing Firm. T- today, I want to talk to you about what it looks like to practice stillness. First, let me remind you of a few things that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Number one, a praying church is a powerful church. Come on. I want to remind you, number two, that a praying people are a powerful people. And like I told you last week, if we relegate the idea of prayer to a specific generation, we will be limited in that power. When I say a praying people are a powerful people, I mean from generation to generation. We must teach, we must, we must instruct, and we must practice this beautiful tool called prayer throughout generations in order to continue to be a powerful people. Number three, apart from God's presence and power, we are limited, at risk, and liable to lean on our own understanding. Man, how many of you know that this church does not hang on the balance of my own understanding? Okay, if you don't know me well enough, then, then you're probably not saying amen yet. If you know me really well, you're going to amen. I am so glad that this church does not have to rely on just Tony's power and just Tony's uh, ability to understand. Come on, apart from God's presence and power, we are limited. Number four, a prayer is not just getting God to do what we want, but it's getting a revelation of what his desire is for me. Next, everything you do for God is connected to what you do through and with God. And last reminder, every great act and miracle will be connected to the power of prayer. Right? This is why the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. And no act was uh, performed or done. uh, Wrong word to say they're performed, but done through the apostles if it wasn't first soaked in and through prayer. So let's go to our main scripture for this series. It's found in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 15 through 13. And it says this, Jesus responding to his disciples' question of how should we pray. He says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. This goes back to what I just said. We don't do this for a show, right? It's not about us, 
right? Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is, here's our, our key phrase for today, in the secret place. Say with me, secret place. Secret place. secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Goes on to say, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Thank you, Lord. Goes on to say, And in this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. I'm just going to very quickly pray and ask that you open up our hearts and our minds and our ears, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you know, as we were experiencing the snowstorm over the last you know, couple weeks or so, uh, I, I, if you don't know this, my wife and I, we've got five kids, and so car rides are always really peaceful and quiet. Um, it, it, it's, it's, our, it's our time where we practice stillness before the Lord. Uh, I'm being sarcastic. And, and, and we're, we're a little strict. We, we like to have order uh, in, in our home, and, and we believe that it's good to have banks to a river before it just runs wild. And, and so one of the things we talk to our kids about is, hey, car ride is not the time and place to be loud and crazy, right? Dad's trying to focus, and, and I'm easily distracted if you know me. And so I'm trying to focus. I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders as I'm carrying the lives of seven people in this car, right? And then now you add to it the, the, the people that moved from different states that rhyme with Shemaliformia and... <laughs> That have, that have never driven in the snow, right? Or the ice in their lives, come on, right? And so, and so I'm like, I'm already tense. I'm not, you know, like a good prideful man that I am. I'm not worried about my driving. I'm worried about all the other fools on the road, <laughs> right? And, and, and so as we're driving, I'm reminding the kids, now remember, there's a time and place to be loud and crazy, and it's not the car, right? And, and so one of these days we were driving, and I'm already tense. We were slipping and sliding. I had it in 4x4, four four, but how many of you know 4x4 four four don't help you when there's ice? And so, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best, and the kids are getting louder and louder. And if you've never been around my children, they're real Nunezes. So it's like, no, I'm louder. No, I'm louder. No, I'm more Greek. No, I'm more Latino. Now I'm more this. And, and it just continues to compound on itself. And so finally I exclaim, everybody shut up. I can't see. <laughs> Am I right? Have you ever turned on your GPS and, and you have to actually like turn down the music in order to see the map better? Right? Like you're pulling up to your destination, all of a sudden your music comes down because you got to see better. Right? Like, shut up, I can't see. I had an uncle who used to always tell me in, in Spanish, callate que no miro, be quiet, I can't see. Right? But, but isn't that how, how it is, though, right? Like, how, how many of us deal with the multiple things that are fighting for our attention on a daily basis, 
Right? There, there's things that are fighting for our attention and our affection on a daily basis. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it can feel so overwhelming that you almost just want to go, everybody shut up, I can't see clearly. And I believe Jesus hmm, teaching his disciples, teaching us, has a secret that quite frankly has been lost in the history of the church of this idea of practicing stillness. See, I believe Jesus is not surprised by all the factors that are trying to vine for your attention and are fighting to get your attention and to be the loudest voice in your head, in your mind, in your heart, in your ears. And, and he goes, hey, 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 fellas, first learn to go to the secret place. First, learn to still yourself. First, go close that door. And you know what? As I was studying for this and I had an extra week to, to study for this, it, it really, it became really, I'm going to be honest with you, really difficult for me to decide what all to pack into today's message because I don't know if you've ever studied anything about stillness in the Bible and peace and quiet and shutting up and, and being still and waiting on God. It was overwhelming how much Old Testament, New Testament, and church history, how much there is just jam-packed about this idea of you need not do anything but be still. You got to learn how to wait. You gotta learn how to quiet yourself. You gotta learn what it is to silence the inner voices and the outer voices. You got, and, and, and you know what's interesting to me is how is it that something that is so overwhelmingly common in the word has become so overwhelmingly rare in practice? And so I, I do want to be practical today. And I, I wanna give you, you know, I've given you five S's today. I wanna give you three S's of the idea of how to practice stillness. Uh, just to give you, if you're taking notes, just to give you a quick little glance, even if you just look at the Gospels only, Luke 6.12, Luke 5.15, Mark 1.35, Mark 6.31, Luke 22.39, just to name a few, are all places where Jesus teaches how to practice being still and how to be quiet. And so the, the first thing I want to talk to you about when it comes to practicing stillness is, number one, is, is solitude. Now, I know that even saying that word, for some of us, that feels scary. Like, I, I actually have to, like, get away and be alone. Jesus actually practiced this time and time again. And I don't know if you know the stories. Every time he tried to get away and alone, people ruined it for him. It's not going to be much different for you. You're going to have to fight to be, time, to, to be able to spend time alone with him. You're going, to, you're going to have to strive for this. Look at Matthew 6, 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. Here's... As I'm uttering these words, here's what I already know is happening in some of y'all, especially those of you that are like me that grew up in, in charismatic church. But God's everywhere. <laughs> but what about his omnipresence, Tony? And, and the fact that he's omnipotent. And, like, Absolutely. Yeah. He can meet you 
in the car when your kids are screaming in the back, Daddy, Daddy, I got to go to the bathroom. Come on, Tommy boy. Anybody? No? Okay, I'm speaking to another generation. Some of you are like, I can't believe you're quoting that. I stopped that quote for a reason. (laughs) I lost some of you. That's okay. Sophia's telling me to stop. I'm, I'm stopping. Right? Of course he can meet you on your drive to work. Of course he can meet you at your desk at work. Of course he can meet you, stay-at-home parent, as you're raising your kids and reminding them to clean up after themselves and to wash up and to clear the table and to fold their laundry and to put the toilet seat down and to aim for the bottom of the toilet, not the top of it, and all that. Absolutely, God can meet you there. But my friend, Jesus, in this moment, is actually teaching us that there's something special, unique, and hear me, and crucial to our spiritual practice, and it's called stillness. And it's called solitude. It's called get away from the noise. Make the intentional time and space where you can find the Father in the secret place. This reference of the secret place actually implies solitude, excuse me, which by definition, hear me, is to be alone with him. So, so yes, I'm just not talking about his omnipresence today. Like, I'm not denying that, but that's not what I'm talking about today. Did you know that the pace of this world, hear me on this, the pace of this world has been designed, hear me on this church, has been designed by the enemy of your soul to keep you busy, distracted, and detached. Yes. So true. And a couple weeks ago, I really offended some folks because I said something like, the system we live in, and you all thought that it, I was talking about governments and politics. I'm talking about there's an enemy of your soul that has created a system of how to systemically keep you and I too busy, too distracted, too detached to hear God's voice. John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which by the way, highly recommend this read, says the following. Pretty incredible here um, what what this says. Read the Bible. That's that's how this segment's, read the Bible. (laughs) Satan doesn't show up as a demon with a pitchfork and gravely smoker voice or as Will Ferrell with an electric guitar and fire on a Saturday Night Live. By the way, these are the kind of books your pastor likes. Look at this. He's far more intelligent than we give him credit for. Can I just talk to some charismaniacs here today that say, the devil's stupid. Ah, Okay. Today, look at me, today you're far more likely to run into the enemy in the form of an alert on your phone while you're reading your Bible or a multi-day Netflix binge or a full-on dopamine addiction to Instagram or a Saturday morning at the office or another soccer game on a Sunday or a commitment after commitment after commitment after commitment in a life of speed. Corey Ten Boom once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. There's truth in that. Both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut you off from your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. 
Later on, he says this, and then I'm done quoting this. It may be the case that, number one, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which then leads to a deteriorating relationship with God, which then leads to Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which then leads to, number five, more, co more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. And then the cycle continues over and over again. You're going to have to fight to have solitude with Jesus. Yes. And you're going to have to be willing to go against a worldly culture that, hears me, that idolizes and worships busyness. Come on, parents, young parents, you've done this. You've bragged about how busy yours and your kids' calendars are. It's almost like status. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm about two months out. By the way, I, like, I don't know if you know this, but I don't stand up here like, telling you something, not that I have fully mastered, but that I haven't at least wrestled through with the Lord in my own life. Okay, I've, I've all these, the reason why you're laughing is because you know this, I've done this. My question to us is how will we ever hear him if we don't ever have margin to sit with him? How will we ever hear his voice if our lives have no margin to sit with the one who's speaking to us? Jesus today wants to invite you, my friend, into true intimacy. You know, there's something about God being the beautiful God that he is and creating moments where there's exciting things that happen, for example, in a church service or maybe when you first give your life to the Lord, he answers all these prayers and he's building your faith. But there's excitement in that, but eventually excitement wears off. Novelty wears off. Right? Come on, married people. The, that honeymoon stage wears off. Like, it's natural, right? Like, you're no longer just enamored by all the Nunez, except unless you're married to me because last name is Nunez, so there's just Nunez after. No, just kidding. That, that was bad. The, the Nunez of a relationship eventually wears, but, but that's where the, the real stuff comes in. The real gold is carved out when we go from novelty into intimacy. And the reason why some of you are still in it, I got to say this, are still at an infant stage with the Lord is because you're trying to write out novelty when he's inviting you to intimacy. And so then you're stuck in novelty and you're going, well, what the pastor says doesn't really tickle my ears anymore. Or like now I hop from church to church because, hear me, because I'm just not being fed. How about be a self-feeder? How about go from novelty into intimacy? How about say, God, you created a way through your son Jesus for me to have direct access to you at all times? Are you kidding me, Lord? What a privilege. The invitation for you today as you carve out solitude is to go from novelty into intimacy. Now hear me on this church and hear me loud and clear. This is not a call to be lazy. 
This is not a call to isolation. You chilling on the couch every day of your life, every second of your life, finding comfort through Netflix or whatever else, or maybe it's not as bad as Netflix, maybe it's just books, right? Is not intimacy with the Lord. You isolating yourself from people is not intimacy with the Lord. In fact, time and time again, the word of God is clear. Anytime there was intimacy with the Lord, it drove those people to other people. Okay, number two, I, I got to move this along. You're getting something out of this. Uh, uh, number two is, is silence. So we talk about solitude. Now there's silence. Matthew 6, 7. Look at this. But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. I'm going to be honest with you. This is where I get convicted. I've joked about this before, but I think it's funny that the very thing I used to get in trouble for in school, I now get paid to do. You know, it's pretty crazy. It's like, it's actually kind of nice. Um, you know, I told you guys this a couple weeks ago, the teacher stopped saying, is there something you want to share with the whole class? Because I would go, yes, I do. I, please. <laughs> Can I, can I go up front? <laughs> I've got a PowerPoint prepared. You know, like, y'all remember PowerPoint? Thumb drives? You know, I was always ready with something. I'm like, oh, presentation, heck yeah. Attention, yeah. I get to talk. Guys, I, I, I like the sound of my own voice. <laughs> um, but you don't have to be talkative and, and, and outgoing like Tony to fall into the trap of thinking that your prayer life is only you talking the whole time and only you asking the whole time. Now, there's a, there's a place for that. Like, again, I'm bringing balance to this. There's a place for supplication, but there's a place for silence. And so when I, when I go into that moment of solitude, I've also got to be willing, hear me, to sit with the awkwardness of silence. Lamentations 3, 25 through 26, um, out of the new uh, King James Version, says this. Um, I lost my place here on my Bible, but thankfully I got my notes. Uh, the Lord is good to those who, look at it, wait for him. To the soul who seeks him. And look at this. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You know when this is especially hard, and I'm just going to say something from my heart. When you know or think you're in the right, and maybe you're in an argument, or maybe somebody's trash talking you or whatever, and like you want to go and defend yourself. I want to go and set the record straight. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I got a question for you though. How will we ever, I asked you, how will we ever hear him if we don't carve out the time to sit with him? My next question is, how will we ever hear him if we're always talking? We got to find quiet on the outside and quiet on the inside. There's got to be quiet on the outside and quiet within. This is hard for some of us. 
You know, and some of you are married to, to, to people like Tony Nunez, right? That we're having to learn how to become better listeners. The kind of people, you, you sat across from somebody like this, where you know they're not actively listening to you. They're just waiting for you to be quiet so that they can finally say something. Have you ever sat across somebody like that? And here's the, here's the beautiful thing about God is God's an attentive listener, but he's also an active talker. And we're really good at actively speaking, and we got to get better at actively listening. Thank you. Psalm 46, 10. Are you, are, you, are you with me still? Okay, good. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth, right? There's this thing about being still. Can you still your tongue? Can you still your mind? Can we learn to still our anxious thoughts? And you want to know why I think some of us struggle with this? If I'm honest, I've struggled with this in the past because I'm afraid of what the silence will bring forth. I'm afraid of what sitting with maybe some painful things will feel like. I'm afraid of maybe what God will actually even demonstrate and show to me in those moments. But can I just tell you, out of my own experience, don't be afraid. He's a good God. And he, uh, you've heard me say this many times, and I'm going to keep saying it until I die, until they peel me off this pulpit. He won't ever bring anything, and they will. They'll have to. I'm teasing. I had an example of a pastor that knew when the transition needed to take place, and so I won't, I won't not do that, okay? It's just not coming for another 30 years or so. I hope so. Um, but where was I going with that? Yeah. Shoot. Yeah. It's this thing I always say, and then now I'm forgetting. No, it's he never brings anything to the surface that he doesn't intend to heal. So... I get the fear of like, okay, God, I'm going to sit alone in your presence. So first of all, that's already awkward, like sitting alone. Okay. But I'm, I'm going to be willing to sit alone and I'm going to be willing to shut my mouth and to still my mind. And honestly, practically speaking, by the way, guys, don't be weirded out when the world has taken something that was biblical and made it weird, like meditating on his word, meditating on who he is. Like, that's not weird. The breath he gave you, like, oh, people are afraid of breathing. Take a deep breath. He gave it to you. You know what I mean? Like, don't be afraid of, oh, well, first of all, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So you're not dabbling with all the weird stuff that the world has. The, the, the world, like, the, the enemy is smart, but he's also, but he's not creative. Can I tell you that? Like, so he's not a creator. God created breathing, meditating on him, thinking on him, stilling our, our minds, all that stuff. And then the world took it and twisted it. But can we redeem sitting in his presence? Take that deep breath. And the things that he brings to the surface, he means to heal. I really could go on about this. In fact, I'm half tempted to, to break off next week and do a, an entire sermon. because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm standing here today because this, this practice has transformed my life. Like absolutely changed my anxious thoughts, 
Uh, some of you don't know this full story about me, but so, so I'm going to throw it out. And for those of you that know it, you get to hear it again. Um, and, and for the next 30 years, you'll get to hear more repetitive stories. Um, <laughs> But, but, but part, not all of this, but part of this practice is what took a, in 2020, a suicidal Tony to, to a, a, a healthy, non-anxious, God-trusting, secure Tony. Like, and, and, and like the people that walk me through that are sitting here, like know the severity of it. Like shaking, walking into rooms, like practicing my lines before going to into a restaurant. Like, uh, the level of anxiety, the level of, of depression, being fully convinced that you guys, this world, this fam my family, would be literally better, better off if I didn't exist. God, so, and, and, and part of the process of healing was sitting in silence with the Lord. And I'm telling you, it was beautiful. Transformed my life. I spoke to somebody about this the other day, and they're like, well, you don't know my story, and you're, it sounds like a silver bullet. Have you tried it? <laughs> like, I, I, like, honestly, I'm just like, have you tried it? Because, yeah. uh -huh. yep, yep, yep. like, God actually did that for me and with me, and I'm not making that up. But let me tell you, um, you know, silence can be deafening sometimes, right? And that thought can seem scary, but it's not fear, it's freeing. Yes. It's freeing. There's a freedom available for you to walk in. My wife had told me that, that we don't have time for the closing song, so I'm going to take those extra seven minutes and preach them. Is that okay? <laughs> no, what she meant to say was, I'm gifting you your, the, 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 the closing song it's for you to preach it. That's what, that's what she uh, said, I don't know if you know this, but I don't have time to get into it, but I just want you to write this down and go study. In the book of Hebrews, you and I are actually told that we are going to have to strive to enter into his rest. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. There's a fight. Yes. Wow. It's not just like, oh, I'm just chilling. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're going to have to fight for silence and solitude with the Lord and stillness with the Lord. Yes. And can I tell you what that practically looks like? That means you may have to offend some friends that always want to fill your schedule with fun things and go, I, I have to keep this margin in my life. Family members that are like, well, you're just so busy. No, 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 I'm not busy. I carve out time for the Lord. And, like, and I'm not going to touch that time. Uh, can I just tell you, practically speaking, there's um, the other day, uh, Lane, our youth director, and I we were working on something on a computer, and in my calendar popped up, and he just saw blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks everywhere. He's like, this is excruciating, bro. Why is every second of the day accounted for? And I'm like, hey, let me let you in on a little secret. These ones that are this color, those are blocked out, but they're specific times for the Lord that nobody touches. And can I just tell you, practically speaking, like, so that you're not lying to somebody when you pull out your phone and you go, oh, I'm blocked out during that time. I got something going on. And I just wonder how many of us actually have that in our daily lives. Okay, the third, third thing that I want to say today is this. Um, oh, oh um, let, let me tell you something else here real quick. Um, you not only have to create a space for it, but you actually have to allow time for it and not only will you have to fight for it, but as the book of Hebrews says, you have to strive for it, which means this. It means that we have to shut off what we are so 
eager to say to God and want to do and be willing to say less. Like we got to be willing to go, I'm going to go ahead and put my agenda over here, God. And I'm going to say, Lord, what do you have for me? And I don't know about you, but that I'm like, no, no, no. But God, you're here to do what I want you to do. And God's going, no, no, that's not how prayer works. I'm here to deposit my will into you so that you can walk it out. And I'm here to empower you to walk that will out. But if you're not careful and you approach prayer from the perspective of God, I'm trying to get you to do what I want to do, then you and I will not be willing to lay down our agendas. And then can I just tell you a little secret um, that's not so much a secret anymore because it's been exposed through the word of God. Uh, He won't answer your prayers prayers when you're not praying in his will okay so uh, another great book I I need you to go out and get okay hearing God by my boy Nathan Finocchio Um, man just a a voice for our generation of of theology and and I'm going to begin to land the plane but just sit tight when I sit down with a friend I don't always have an agenda the conversation may go in places I never thought of before And when I'm sitting down to talk with people who have a lot of influence in my life, look at this, I let them set the pace. Sometimes they want to talk about things that I haven't considered are important, yet they see them critically missing in my life. I've learned not to crowd the conversation, but to allow them the space to talk about what they consider timely. This is how we need to go to God. Through all the ways he speaks, we need to let his spirit lead. God has work in store for us. He knows exactly what we need to hear in the exact time we need to hear it. He knows all of our needs before we even ask him for his help, according to what we just read. Just as Jesus yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit and allowed the Holy Spirit to set the pace and the direction, so must we, or else we end up like the disciples, clueless about what Jesus is saying because we're so full of our agendas. Are you able to lead and, excuse me, are you able to be led and clear your agenda? When was the last time you said it? side time to be filled in a fresh way by the Holy Spirit? Or are you so full of agendas and timetables and topics that you need to discuss that you don't have time to wait for the Lord? The third and final thing that I want to talk to you about today as it relates to stillness is when we get away in solitude, when we get quiet in silence, we receive spiritual guidance. For your father, Matthew 6, the latter part of the verse 8, for your father knows the things that you need before you ask him. Can I tell you, he will give you divine spiritual guidance. Okay? But how will we hear him? I've asked at every point. How will we hear him if we don't sit with him? How will we hear him if we don't Silence our own voices. Well, I want to answer the question, how will we hear him? You will hear him when you learn his voice. We will hear him when we know his voice. It says in the word that that the sheep hear the shepherd's voice and recognize it. 
My friend, you're going to hear God when you know his voice. And there will always be competing voices with God. And according to scripture, there's, there's three ways that this world competes with the voice of God. We've got the world, we've got our flesh, and we've got the devil. And now I know far too many of us are far well too studied to believe that there is a devil. But I'm telling you, we're Bible-believing people. There is an enemy of your soul. And it's just that in the Western culture, can I just say that, uh, he hides himself better. I actually have a friend who's a missionary in Africa. He goes, here's a difference between Africa, African Christians and the United States. Is he goes, um, American Christians have to actually have discernment. In Africa, it's just in your face. Okay. We got the world competing. We got our flesh competing. We got the enemy competing. We see this from the time of Genesis, right? We see that his plot is to cause confusion. Is that really what God said, he says to Eve? Right? The only way, hear me, church, for us to be able to withstand is to know his voice. Now, I, I, I know I'm running out of time, but I've got to get this in your spirit. The logos, the, the voice of God. I'm talking about the, the word, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, as John so beautifully writes in this first chapter. I'm talking about do you know his voice? And his voice, hear me on this, and I have no agenda other than to bring health into your life by saying what I'm about to say. His voice will always include a healthy pastoral leadership and covering in your life. I'm glad four of you agree with that. That means the rest of you are learning that. And I won't shy away from that. Of course, our pastoral team here, our elders here, we're not going to usurp that and, and be authoritative over you. But I got to tell you, we live in a modern age that goes, I don't need covering. I don't need spiritual guy. I don't need spiritual fathers. And if I'm really honest, you know, the, the, the beef I get is you're too young to be a spiritual father. And I don't know about you, but every time the voice of the Lord is involved, there is going to be a healthy a good and biblical pastoral oversight on that. Um, and it doesn't mean I always agree with that voice. Uh, I was 22 years old. My wife and I had just been hired on at a beautiful, beautiful church. Uh, in fact, uh, the lead pastor there, who's now the founding pastor because he transitioned his church the same month and year that we transitioned leadership, uh, is, our, is the vice chairman of our, of our fellowship, our uh, Minister's Fellowship International. It was kind of a, a dream come true for me. I was 12 years old when I first met Pastor Bob, and he'd become a, a mentor of mine, good friends with my dad, et cetera, et cetera. Through all these different circumstances, he hires me on, and, and I think it's going to be a dream come true. And it really was, uh, but man, I'll tell you what, uh, as a 22-year-old punk kid who thought he knew what he was talking about, I had another thing coming. And... And I just remember having so many moments where in my, in my flesh, I had to just fight. Like, no, I don't agree with you. No, I don't want to do it the way you're saying it. No, I've got better ideas. 
And I had to learn the pastoral voice over my life that was molding something in me. And hear me, when I was faithful in the small things, God began to then elevate me into other things. And I know we're shy to talk about that in church world, but I'm no longer shy. New year, new me. Hashtag new year, new me. Just kidding. And I remember there came a time after seven years of pouring out our blood, sweat, and tears into this place, literal blood, sweat, and tears, and building something beautiful. I mean, it was, it was awesome. There came a time where like, I felt like God had called me to join who were at that point kind of our last lifelong best friends, lifelong as in adulthood best friends, to go plant a church in Southeast Portland where it's known as the graveyard of churches. Um, Southeast Portland, if, if, if you see the news about Portland now, like downtown, this is like, for people in Southeast Portland, it's like, this has been the Portland we've always known. Like, felony flats. And, and for two years, I had this desire in my heart to go plant this church with my good friend. And for 14 years, he had had it on his heart. And so I submitted it to my pastor at the time. And he said to me, give me three years and I'll give you 30 years. And I'm like, I want to go now. Give me three years to prepare you. I want to go right now. Like, you don't understand. I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Like, I got to... I got a Hemi engine underneath that hood and it's roaring. Give me three years. Got to mold some things in you. Got to shape some things in you. And little did I know that we were going to go through the most excruciating and yet beautiful process in those three years, preparing us to then hear me be sent and released with a blessing to go. And I'm not bragging on me. I just want to tell you what the fruit of walking and hearing God's voice in obedience to the leadership he has placed over you is now we when we left Hope City six years ago Hope City Church was the year that a church with 10 acres of property said here's the keys to our building here's our 10 acres another church goes here's two million dollars go renovate it and this day Hope City has three services serving the community and the fruit speaks for the obedience of those that planted that place. Here's what I want to say with this as I end is, you have no idea what's hanging in the balance of your obedience to the Father's voice. You have no idea. I'm going to end with this story. I know we're over time, but I, I got to end it with this story. The founding pastor of this church wrote a memoir. And in there, there's a story about a young man who had had some brain issues and, 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 and some, some, a situation that basically back then didn't really have a, a resolve. And, and the fact that he survived was a medical miracle. And he writes at the end of it, and he goes, and I wonder what all God has for this man. And that, that man is actually here today. He has no idea I was going to share this, and that's why I'm not saying his name. But he's here, and um, generations flow from this man, um, the, the building of God's house, not just here, but in other, all throughout the world, monetarily, spiritually, have, flo have all flowed from this man's life. And I just, I just want to say, you have no idea 
what is hanging in the balance, or maybe you do have an idea of what's hanging in the balance, of you and I learning to hear God's voice and heed his voice. Okay. I'm done. And we're out of time. So this is what we're going to do. Um, I, I just want to very quickly, I, I got to recommend some books to you. Okay. I know I, I quoted some books today, but like I, I, I want this to be something that you're resourced in. So first and foremost, if you want to learn how to be still, how to look at some things inward, I need you to go out and get emotionally healthy spirituality. Okay. By the way, you've heard this from me. These books are not Bible. Okay. So like, this is Bible, okay? And then this is what God has used through his word to inspire other people to, to be a tool in the local church, okay? You gotta go get emotionally healthy spirituality. It's gonna change your life. Um, oh my goodness, if you've ever been to seminary, even if you haven't, the smallest, most impactful book you will ever read. You, you, gotta, you gotta go get the practice of the presence of God. It's gonna be amazing hearing God, like I said. And I mean, if you're a millennial like me, you already know about John Mark Comer and it's hilarious and it's awesome and it's also gonna gut punch you. Um, more than those resources, I wanna encourage you and remind you that Wednesdays at 9 a.m., we come here and we pray together. Yes. Sundays at 8.30 a.m., we come here and we pray together. Second Sundays of the month at 6.45 p.m., we come here and we pray together. The other thing I want to let you know about is that in February, we're going to kick off the season of Lent, and it's going to be a season focused on prayer and fasting, but it's going to have a bent of reverence and stillness, okay? And here's what I want you to do today. We usually respond in communion, prayer, all this stuff. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let you sit in silence, okay? If out of that silence, you need to come take communion. If out of that silence you need somebody to pray with you, you go to the cross and somebody's going to be there to pray with you. But I, no song. I, I think that was the Holy Spirit. Let's practice that silence. I want you right, then, right there and there where you're at. Close your eyes. Put your phone down. Don't worry about the fact that the pastor went over because it wasn't the pastor. It was the Holy Spirit anyway, so blame it on him. Thanks for la not laughing at that. Um, Put your phone away, close your eyes, still your heart, still your mind, and just listen. And if you need to start writing down what he says, do it. If he tells you to take some action, be obedient to it. And this is what I know. We may not have enough time for you to marinate on this for a long time, but it might just give you a little taste of what you can experience on a daily basis at home. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.